normally I would stand here and say, oh, I'm so excited. Today I stand before you and say, oh, I am so nervous. I think, you know, Ben uh, asked me, would I speak on the Lordship of Christ? Because he said, it's such a big subject, so I'm going to do part one. He said, could you do part two, please? So I said, yeah, yeah, I could do that. So he said, um, I know that you like a challenge. So it's like, yeah, I do like a challenge. So I thought, great, easy peasy. Except that Ben actually said everything I felt that was needed to be said. So it was like, so what exactly did you want me to share on the Lordship of Christ? Or more importantly, Jesus, what do you want me to share? And um, it came really clearly and has been confirmed quite a few times this week that I need to tell you a little bit about my life. And uh, I love listening to other people's stories. I just don't like telling mine. Because I am actually quite a private person. And uh, it's one thing to be telling my family here. But as I discovered recently, it's like it goes out on the internet and anybody at any place in the world can pick up and listen to what I am about to say. And suddenly the enormity of that is pressing in on me. It was weird, a couple of Sundays ago, I'm in Northwest America on the Canadian border with Vancouver and I hear my voice coming out of someone's phone talking about Joshua, and it was like, oh my goodness. So, I stand before you as a very nervous person who is about to expose themselves to the whole world for eternity, well, until Jesus comes back, because it will be on the internet, and who knows who will find it at what point. So, yeah, at the right time. So, Jesus. I surrender myself to you, and as a good, good father, I trust you that you will cover me and that you will not expose me, and I will not expose accidentally other people's stories that are kind of part of my story. And above all else, King Jesus, that you, you, Jesus, will be honoured and glorified, because it is all about you and not about Sally Merker and her interesting life. It is all about you, Jesus. It's about you. And I just want you to have all the glory. Amen. Um, I am now part of a new house group, and we met for the first time on Wednesday. We had an amazing time, and actually, anybody that was at that group could be standing here because we realised that we had all travelled quite extensively uh, throughout the United Kingdom and also around the world. And actually, everyone here, I believe, would have a story to tell of the Lordship of Christ. So let's just start with some scripture, because it's always good, isn't it, to be grounded in the Word. So uh, Ben spoke from um, Colossians chapter 2. And he read out this line. So just, um, then, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I just want to read on, if that's okay with you. It's always good, isn't it, to read the, the word of God out loud. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you also are circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ." having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Amen. Going on into chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. I'm getting excited now. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. We talk a lot about the Lordship of Christ. And if I was to ask you, is Jesus Lord of your life? I am sure that 99.9% of you would say, yes, Sally, Jesus is Lord of my life. If that was the case, we would never moan, we would never groan, we would never wonder if perhaps God has turned his face away from us. We wouldn't doubt him, we wouldn't question so much of what we do if we truly believe and if Jesus is truly Lord of our lives. And I stand as one who says that Jesus is Lord of her life but can then be found at times like Jesus do you still love me? Because it doesn't feel like it at the moment with everything that's going on. So, I gave my life, some of you will know some of this story and some of you won't. I gave my life to Jesus when I was five. I remember it very clearly. And Jesus became Lord of my life. And many people have said to me over the years, but Sally, don't you think you missed out on life? Like, you know, because you, you weren't rebellious, were you, in your teenage years? No, I wasn't. You didn't sleep around before you got married, did you? No, I didn't. You didn't really get drunk either, did you? No, I didn't, actually. Well, don't you think you really missed out? And it's like, yeah, I'll tell you what I missed out on. I missed out on pain, guilt, shame, broken heart, I think they're the things that I missed out on. I don't think I missed out on anything important. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me when I was a child, that I didn't have to go through all that stuff. And, you know, there were times in my life where I thought, yeah, but I would have liked some of that stuff because then I could give a really good testimony. You know, like, I was involved in drugs, rock and roll and sex and all of that, and Jesus saved me. It's like, yeah, I was five I didn't really have a particularly bad life before I was five. So no, I didn't do any of that stuff. But thank you, Jesus, that you saved me 
when I was a child. I wish that you were all saved when you were children. Some of you were, some of you weren't. So at the age of five, did I really understand what I was doing? No, not really. It just seemed like the thing to do, and I felt I wanted to give my life to Jesus. So when I was 12, I was away on a camp, and I recommitted my life to Jesus Christ, and again invited him in to be Lord of my life. At that point, I got filled with the Spirit. It was in 1970. Early days. Very exciting. Lots of things going on. I then became a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> well, you can laugh. It's quite funny, really. I was a Sunday school teacher. Me. I'm not exactly the world's most gifted children's worker. But anyway, I ended up as a Sunday school teacher. I led the CU at uh, school. I then became a youth leader. And from then, oh, I got married in the midst of all of this. And then I became a television director. And yeah, I've had some things going on in my life. And this is the bit I didn't really want to talk about, but I know that I need to because it just... I hope it will help you. You see, I married my best friend. And I loved being married. For 27 years I was married. And I had some amazing times with my best friend. We did crazy things together, which included... Um, I came home twice to find I didn't have a house to live in when I got back. I was only away for two weeks. You know, you think I've been away for like months because that's the lifestyle that we lived and it, was, it wouldn't be ideal for everybody, but I loved it. I loved the fact that I would come home from a trip and I might not know where I'm living. And uh, I actually enjoyed that. But I lost my husband along the way because he pursued a vision and a dream that he believed God had given him, and I actually believed it as well. And as a result, he ran away, and I didn't know where he was for two years. And uh, that was quite devastating, actually, because I didn't fall out. I didn't fall out of love. I didn't fall out with him. There wasn't anybody else involved. He just had a complete breakdown in his mind and in his body and in his spirit, and he ran away. And I didn't know where he was for two years. So, why am I telling you this? Because I had to make a decision. Do I still trust God even though my world was shaken from the very roots upwards. Do I still trust God? And the answer was yes, because I had a track record and had a relationship with Jesus. And when Jesus is Lord of your life, he's Lord of all of it. So what I did was I ran into Jesus because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't feel like I'd come to the leadership of the church at the time because I wasn't there. I, 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 I wasn't there. I just ran into God. And every day I sat with Father, and it's like, Father, what do I do today? 
How do I run this huge house that I live in? What do I do about the bills? What do I do about the companies that Aidan's involved in? What do I do? Help me. And he did. And there came a point, and it was probably nearly six months later, that I went to see Andrew Simpkins, and I sat in his garden and said, um, oh, by the way, I think you ought to know <laughs> that um, my best friend's left me. And he just sat there, and those of you who know Andrew, this is so typical of him, he just sat there and he went, Sally, I am deeply worried. It's like, well, I'm not Andrew. Um, I'm, not, I'm not worried because I actually trust God. Even though I know it doesn't look great at the moment. And um, at that time, you know, I thought he would come home. I actually thought that God would restore him and, and fix him and that he would come home. But he didn't come home. But, you know, the more you trust God, the more you allow him to unravel and unpick, the, that's the best thing you could do because... If you start trying to take matters into your own hand, I think I would have ended up being a lot more hurt and wounded and distraught and, and guilt-ridden than just allowing Jesus to come. And it's a bit like unpicking a tapestry. If you do it gently enough, you would never know where the unpicking and where the restitching has been. So, I just move on a little bit. I lived one day at a time. I didn't go in, I didn't think about tomorrow because I didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. So what's the point of worrying about tomorrow when I had no idea what tomorrow held? So I just concentrated on the day. So every day it was like, Jesus, help me today. Be my dad, be my husband, be my best friend today. And at the end of the day it's like, wow, we got through today. Watch over me as I sleep in this massive house <laughs> with creaky floors. And he did. And he did. So the next event that took place would be maybe two or three years later. I can't remember now, to be honest. But I'm sitting here at the uh, bridge. We're in the children's room. And in those days, we used to have healing rooms here. And many of you served on the healing rooms team. And on that particular, was it a Tuesday afternoon we used to have it, Joan? Thursday afternoon. I mean, it was an afternoon. Um, we didn't have any visitors. We didn't have any guests, which was really unusual. And so we ended up in that children's room, worshipping God. And a lady called Annie Judson was with us. And she was helping us. And we were having the most incredible time. I remember I looked across the room, and I looked at Annie, and I said, you have a word for me, don't you? And she said... Yes, I do. But she said, I don't know what it means. So I said, bring it on. Give it to me. So she said, okay, I, I saw you and this huge boulder was thrown at you and you caught it on your chest. But it was so heavy, it knocked you backwards. But she said, Jesus was standing behind you and he caught you. So I said, okay, that sounds good. Mm, the 
told her, was it a good thing or a bad thing? So she said, that I don't know. So that's Thursday afternoon. Friday lunchtime, I open the post and there are divorce papers in the post which I had no idea about. That was the boulder that hit my chest that knocked me off my feet. But you know what I did? I took the papers and those of you who knew my old house, I had a, a conservatory and that was my secret place. I ran into my secret place. I sat down and with the papers on my chest, I just said, you know what, Jesus? I totally trust you. I totally trust you with my life. I declare over myself that you said that you had good plans and purposes for me and they're to do me good and not to bring me harm, they're to prosper me. This is not what I have chosen, but I trust you in it. It's not what I would have chosen. I wanted my best friend back. I didn't want these. But actually, in God's goodness and in his kindness, I'm all right about it. And uh, so I, I, I ended up being divorced. And, and, and you know, it's amazing. Uh, at first, I couldn't, I did, couldn't even use the word divorced because... It just has such negative connotations. And every time I said it, I felt such guilt and shame. But you know what? I don't have that anymore. In fact, I soon got rid of it because I realised, you know, Jesus, you paid for that, didn't you? You paid for all my guilt and shame, so why should I carry it? It's already been paid for. That's a bit stupid, isn't it, to carry something that's already been paid for? So I gave it back to him. I... Uh, I remember the day, I do remember the day I took my wedding ring off. And do you know what? It was the scariest moment of my life at that point because I thought there was this big Belisha beacon above my head that just said, woman free, you know, free woman, up for grabs kind of thing. And I remember sitting on the plane with my thumb over my ring finger so that no one could see that I didn't have a a ring on my finger. But you know, when I did it, Jesus said to me, why are you still wearing your wedding ring? It's like, because it's my security. Because it looks as though I'm still married. And he said to me, but I'm your security, aren't I? And I went, oh yeah, you're right. And at that point, I took it off and I've never put it back on. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. So where am I today? Well, I have just been promoted by God himself to be my mum's carer. Those of you that know me and have known me for a number of years will know that I am probably the last person on earth you would have chosen to be a carer. But you see, it's not about me, it's all about him. And sometimes we have plans and purposes that we think uh, are good for us and that perhaps we would even say, this is what God has called me to. But sometimes we get too caught up and our ministries become almost like an idol. It's like, it's my ministry. My ministry is to go to all the world and preach the gospel. It's my ministry. And Jesus says, um, I thought it was my ministry you were serving, Sally, not your own. And it's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, I kind of just kind of lost sight of that in all the excitement of what I'm doing. So for the last few years, 
every January when I'm with my girls, friends, we uh, sit and after we've had communion, it's like, and we've given each other scriptures and words and prayed, it's like, so what is it we want Jesus to do? What is it we're, or what is it we're wanting to see happen in this new year? And every year, um, I say, do you know what? I just want to be more like Jesus. I just want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like him in the way that I speak, in the way that I act, in the way that I behave. In every aspect of my life, I want to be more like Jesus because I think Jesus is a great role model. And I want to be wise like him, and I want to heal the sick like he did, and I want to raise the dead like he did, and I, I want to do all of this stuff, and I want to be like him. I want to do people good. I don't want to be Mrs. Negative or Moni Mercat. I just made that up, actually. It's good, though. I don't want to be that person. I want to be someone that people want to hang out with, who want to have around their homes. I can't tell you now that, you know, now I am so a part of the old people's group at my mum's place. I'm now even going out for meals with them. I am the hub of everything. Or so it feels. I would never have chosen that. But I'm being, I'm doing what Jesus asked me to do. And, and a little while back, I think I did it actually at Love, Acceptance and Healing, but I was away on my silent retreat and we did um. Uh, these meditations each day and the first one was I am not the Messiah okay I didn't think I was so but um, what the guy was sharing with us was the Apostle John when he was asked by the Pharisees who are you he responded by saying I am not I'm not Elijah, I'm not this, I'm not the other, I'm not... Well, who are you? I am a voice in the work, crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And it's like, that's what our ministry is. I am not Sally Merkert, the amazing demon slayer. Although I wouldn't mind having that, but no. I'm not Sally who travels all around the world and has been to a zillion places. I'm not Sally Merkert who just loves going to the most dangerous places in the world or Sally Merkert, the most excited person on the planet at times, so excited she can't get a breath and falls over, as you know. No, who am I? I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And my ministry is to glorify Jesus and to honour what he's done in my life. And you see, we sing all these lovely stories. But as someone said to me this week, you know, they were saying, yeah, but it's really hard, Sally. God's asked me to do something, and it's really hard. And I don't really want to do it, but I know I have to. It's really hard, though. It's like, yeah, but if Jesus is Lord of your life, then it wouldn't be hard to do what he's asked you to do, would it? It may not be what you want. It may not be what your flesh wants. But if Jesus is Lord of our life then these things should be easy, shouldn't they? So, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and then I'm going to finish, because I want us to pray. And enough about Sally Merkert. But I just want you to know, if you haven't already grasped, I love Jesus with all my heart, and he's my, he's my go-to person. 
in everything. In everything. And actually, I could stand up here and testify for the rest of the day just the goodness of God, despite all the things that you would look at and say, yeah, but Sally, your health, that's <laughs> not great, is it? I get a new body. What do I worry about? I've got a new life with Jesus forevermore. No sickness there. So, okay, here we go then. Is it not enough that we have been saved from death? Is it not enough that we have had all our sins paid for? Is it not enough that my heavenly Father made the universe and everything in it? He holds all things together by his word, including me. Is it not enough that I've been adopted into his family? Is it not enough that he loves me more than any human being could ever love me? And his thoughts are always towards me. And I'm sure all of you have said, yeah, that's enough. Yep, that's enough. Yeah, that is enough. Then how come we moan? How come we grumble so much? How come we gossip around so much? If Jesus has done all of that for us, which we think is amazing, and we think, yeah, that's enough. Well, clearly, perhaps it isn't enough. We weren't ambushed into the kingdom. We weren't pressed into the kingdom like indentured labor. Do you know what? We all made a decision to follow Jesus because somewhere along the line, each one of us had a personal invitation, and we said yes. So we, we, we did actually choose this life. I read this quote from Timothy Keller. I'm just doing um, a study with him through the Psalms. And he wrote this, and I thought, oh, if we believe in God only when he is doing great things for us, we are not really serving him. We are only using him. Shall I read that again? If we believe in God only when he is doing great things for us, we are not really serving him. We are only using him. Friends, there are loads of things that have happened in my life and are continuing to happen in my life that I really don't understand. But you know what? The Word of God says that my ways are not like God's ways. So clearly, that means there's going to be a difference between what God thinks and what I think. But somehow, I feel like, yeah, but my plans are great, and my ideas are really, really, really good. There can't possibly be anything better. But God says, my ways are not your ways. What am I going to do about that? Well, I could argue with him every single moment of the day, or I could just choose to believe, you love me, more than any human being ever loves me, and your ways are perfect, I'm going to trust you, even though my world is being shaken and I don't really understand it and I don't get it. And you know, that's a decision that I've made. 
That's just a decision that I have made. And I think that's something about what the Lordship of Christ means. So David, I just love you so much. I just love the fact that you are free and easy and you are so often with the angels and I want to be there with you at times. But I would like you to come and just take over now. But I feel like Jesus is here and I think we have an opportunity to just surrender. I think we've probably all surrendered at least 90% of our life. But you see, it's, it's the 1% and 2% that we haven't done that's the bit of the issue. Amen.